Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, August 31st, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello. So, guys, it's August 31st. To me, that means it's like the end of summer, the summer that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. (laughs) But that's good because that means it's officially Halloween season starting on September 1st. That's how I look at it. So too bad Halloween's going to suck this year. No, it'll be fine. I mean, we can't like go anywhere, <laughs> but you can still you can keep Halloween alive in your heart. That's true. Yeah. By the way, have you seen I, I, I usually like going to all these like Halloween haunt events and most of those are canceled, but they're they're starting to do like ones in like Florida and I guess there's one here where, like, you stay in your car. It's like a drive-through hunt. I have seen ads for some of those where you drive through, which is a pretty good idea. I mean, as long as you don't get out of your car, (laughs) (laughs) or until something scares you so much that you hit the gas and kill somebody. (laughs) I actually do wonder that because, like, you know, theme park rides—they're on a track, so you're not controlling it. Like your car, like, yeah, what if you accidentally floor it and run down the guy in a clown mask? It's gonna be awkward. Yeah, that's the other thing with this hunt hunt. Like usually the scary thing is they like jump out in front of you or like they like get really close to you and they're scare. And I feel like they can't do that with a moving car. Uh maybe there's a way of doing it where it's like one of those like car washes where you like you know drive into it and it like moves you on like this track through. There are places that actually have haunted car washes. I've seen that where like it's literally <laughs> you go through the car and like people like jump out of the the whatever those things are that that slap up against your car that look like giant tentacles. There's like people in masks. <laughs> Who wants that? I don't know, but it does exist. Okay, uh, I'm going to bring things down a little bit, guys, because uh, on Friday we had some surprising news. I was actually recording a live stream on YouTube when this news came out, and I, I was in disbelief. And that is Chadwick Boseman, the star of Black Panther and 42, has died at age 43. Uh, when I when I when I messaged the slash film Slack about this to, because I, I wanted to get this news up, 
Brad, you were like, you were insistent that this news was not true. Yeah, I mean, I didn't believe it at first because it was just so <laughs> shocking and out of left field. And as the reports have, have said, you know, um, his diagnosis of having colon cancer for four years was not public. Um, nobody uh, seemed to know about it. It's not even clear if, um, you know, people that he worked with for all these years even knew. Um, it, it seems like they didn't because a lot of them have expressed surprise at the, um, you know, caliber of work and how much he did during those years when he uh, had colon cancer. And yeah, it was just, it, honestly, it, it felt like the same kind of thing when Heath Ledger suddenly died, just very young, uh, out of, all, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the news came and like, it was just devastation. You know, everyone was so shocked and sad and just the amount of tributes that have poured out since then, uh, it's it's been overwhelming and it's just, it's, it's surreal, you know? I mean, you, you think about it and like you look back at his career, which has been relatively short-lived. He's done a lot of great performances in a pretty short amount of time. And uh, it's just, it just sucks that it's, uh, you know, ended too soon for him. Yeah. I mean, his career was short, but it was very impactful. It is really sad. And it's, it was really surprising because at least with something like what happened with Heath Ledger, you can kind of like reason that in your head. This is like someone just all of a sudden dies of cancer and you didn't even know they had it. It's so weird and shocking and, what he filmed like six movies during the time that he he had this cancer and he was going through chemo and all that stuff. I, I I mean, my mom died of cancer. I can't imagine like someone going through like chemo and like your like, all your energy is like taken out of you while you are like suffering with with this. And I I can't imagine going through that and showing up, giving the the caliber of performances that he did and. Also, like you said, Brad, I, I'm guessing the reason why this didn't like, you know, leak out there is probably almost no one knew about it. So I'm, I'm guessing even the filmmakers and actors he worked with didn't know about it, which is just um, insane, insane. Um, Chris, do you have any thoughts on Chadwick Boseman? I mean, no, yeah, this whole thing is just I was, uh, you know, genuinely shocked. I couldn't believe it in general. It, just, it seems, you know. I mean, it, it's unfair when, when many people die, but it seems, you know, it just seems unfair because it just seems like he was, it's, it just felt like he was just getting started, you know, even though he already yeah. had a bunch of iconic roles already, it, it really felt like, ah, the best is yet to come. Like he's going to go on to do even bigger movies and better movies. And now that just won't happen. And it's just, it's, it's, it is, it's very, just, it's tragic. It sucks basically to boil, to, to be blunt. It's, it's, it really sucks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that boils it down. There's um, if, uh, um Marvel did a, uh, a really great tribute to him in a, in the form of a video with a lot of behind the scenes footage and stuff from cast members and Black Panther director Ryan Coogler wrote uh, a wonderful tribute that just is like a testament to his character, not just you know for his his work ethic, but just who he was uh, as a person. And um, he even says in there like that he had no idea what he was dealing with because. And like, you know, one of the things that saddened him is that he in this during this time, he's been working on stuff for Black Panther 2. And he's been writing things, you know, specifically for Chadwick Boseman, you know, picturing him, you know, doing this, uh, reading the script and saying these lines for the sequel. And now it just it just won't happen. And it's just he, um, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I just, um, you know, I don't even want to get into the conversation of like what's going to happen. Like, how is Marvel going to deal with this? But 
I will put links to that to the Ryan Cougar thing and also the Marvel video tribute in the show notes. So if you want to go read and watch those, you can have access to them there. Uh, another bit of news that broke, I think, on Friday afternoon was that Disney is now developing a new Haunted Mansion movie based on the ride. Uh, Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yeah, so uh, Disney is going to try this again. They, of course, made a, uh, a Haunted Mansion movie in 2003 with Eddie Murphy. Uh, and that was also the same year that the Pirates of the Caribbean movie came out. So Disney was sort of like hedging their bets and being like, which one of these rides will uh, turn into a big movie? And as we all know now, Pirates of the Caribbean became a huge franchise and no one liked the Haunted Mansion movie. Um, and now they're going to try it again. Uh, Katie Dippold, who who wrote the Ghostbusters reboot and uh, the Heat is now tackling the script. And that's really all we know about it. Um but the fact that um, her writing tends to be uh, on the comedic side seems to suggest that just like they did with the Eddie Murphy movie, they're going to try and again make this uh, a comedy, which I don't really think is the best yeah. idea. But I, I would almost say that her writing is more on like the slapstick almost kind of side of things. It's it's a little bit like kind of uh, almost like re- like past reality to ridiculous. Is that fair, Brad? I know you're kind of our comedy guy here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's really all there is to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I just want to make sure that I'm not like categorizing those movies as being over the top when they aren't. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. There's the interesting thing about I think the those movies is that they are while they are over the top, they do have some some good comedic moments in them, but. For me, it's just the idea of, like, I I don't think that that kind of writer is the right tone to strike for the Haunted Mansion, especially when you have someone like Guillermo del Toro basically just saying, hey, I really want to make this. And they're just like, ah, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's had a bunch of scripts written and Disney just didn't want to go ahead. I'm not sure if they didn't like the scripts, what the what the deal is. Uh, I will tell you this. uh, The Haunted Mansion is one of my favorite attractions in all of theme parks. I love it so much um it is like a haunted attraction but it's more on like the goofy side it's not so i i i get that they want to go like take a comedic kind of like side to this it was never like really scary like i don't think even a little kid could go into the haunted mansion and and come out like afraid do i mean it's like spooky ghosts that are fun but um that said, I don't know if I really like either of the movies she's been involved with. So I don't know if uh, she's the right person for like this property. I don't know. I don't know who is. I'm not even, you know, I, I love Guillermo del Toro and he, I know that he loves the Haunted Mansion. He has a whole room, I think, in his uh, Bleak House. Is that what it's called? I think he calls his, his house the Bleak House. Yeah. Uh, he has a whole room dedicated to haunted haunted mansion. And uh, while he has so much love for it, I'm not even sure he was the right person for a haunted mansion, even though I want to see it so very badly. Like, I feel like uh, his tone might, might not be what the haunted mansion is. So I'm not sure who is right for the haunted mansion, but I, I, I don't know. Like, I would like to, is... I think it would be cool if like the directors of paranorman did it. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, does, does this also mean that like Paul, Fike might might be involved in this. I mean, I hope not because I mean 
I don't think he's right for it either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she has a working relationship with him, so that's the only reason I bring that up. Um, okay, well, we'll keep an eye on this, and like anything with Disney, this might not ever happen, so... Uh, you know, don't get your pitchforks and whatever. Uh, but uh, I'm sure someone's excited about this. Someone out there. Uh, but not not us, I guess. Um, okay. Let's talk about Sylvester Stallone. He is working on a director's cut of Rocky Four Because, Brad, everybody has been doing hashtag release the Stallone Rocky Four cut. Yeah, I mean, the original cut of Rocky IV, I mean, is kind of the director's cut since he's the director. <laughs> yes. but, but but yeah, um, for the, the movie's 35th anniversary, which is this year, uh, Sylvester Stallone posted on Instagram that he's in the midst of putting together some kind of director's cut. And uh, it's not something fans will have to demand to be released because apparently MGM is already on board to release it at some point. Uh, there's no indication of when, uh, and there's not really any idea of what it is he's changing about the movie except there was one possible hint because uh there were some fans who commented on his instagram posts talking about uh the infamous robot that rocky gives Polly in rocky (laughs) four and sylvester stallone responded to a couple of comments saying uh the robot is going to the junkyard forever no more robot and he also said i don't like the robot anymore (laughs) so So I just bought, I just bought the robot for my droid shelf. I love that robot. <laughs> so maybe the director's cut will get rid of the robot scenes. But other than that, I'm not really sure what else they're going to fix. One of the things I, I know fans have wanted for a while um, is they want to see Bill Conti's music put back into the movie instead of the score by uh, Vince DiCola, which could be oh. some, something that would you know change the vibe of the movie and maybe improve it a little bit. But uh, yeah, other than that, Stallone didn't say anything about uh, how the movie will will change. I know uh, screenwriter Brian Lynch, he's the guy that did like Minions and Secret Life of Pets. He tweeted out uh, a theory of his that like maybe he is working on a version of Rocky Four that cuts together with like Creed 2 into like one like, you know, overarching story. Um, I, I'm not really sure how you do that easily because <laughs> I'm but, but like I, I actually made made a joke about how he should do that in the in the post that we wrote, wrote about it do we know how he's going to release this is it going to be on I guess it must be blu-ray and streaming right like it's I w- yeah. Theater. yeah I would assume it's a home video release but it's uh he didn't give really any specific details other than the fact that he was working on it yeah uh it is weird that Stallone has been come become so like obsessed with like the things that like like he seemed I don't know. I, I know a lot of people give Stallone a lot of crap, but like his early work, like was actually kind of brilliant, as, especially as a writer. Like, uh, I'm I'm surprised that like he's become obsessed with just like, hey, you know, just sucking onto that early stuff and making you know Rambo sequels and more Rocky thing. Like, it's it like why isn't he doing more original stuff? I guess is well, my question. Well, he did do the Expendables. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I never saw that, Brad. I, w- I had no interest in that one. I mean, they are what they are. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about this X-Files animated series that's in the works at uh, Fox. Chris, what do we know? Oh, um, it's a <laughs> it's an animated series, and it's going to be a comedy, and it, it sounds pretty much like um, Star Trek Lower Decks, but with the X-Files. Um, it's called X-Files albuquerque and instead of being about Mulder and scully it's about 
um, agents who are considered the X-Files B team. In other words, they're investigating cases that are just too dumb for even Mulder and Scully to investigate. And hilarity ensues. And that's really all we know. Yeah, Star Star Wars tried to do something like this with like Star Wars detours, but that never got released because Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm. Uh, and I, I guess you're right. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks is probably the, the the thing that's probably closest to this. I guess my question to you is like, how many adults that grew up loving the X Files are like excited for an X Files animated series? Zero. I don't know. I, I know I'm not. Um, you know, the Star Trek thing, it makes sense because Star Trek has spent decades, you know, having new characters and there's lots of room to have background characters from Starfleet that we don't really spend time with get their own show. But the X-Files, you know, it's not like that. The X-Files is very much Mulder and Scully. And, you know, in later seasons when they when, you know, like David Duchovny left and Jillian Anderson sort of reduced her role, they brought in new actors to play new agents and and no one likes those seasons. They're just, they're not very good. And the idea of like, let's do an X-Files, but without Mulder and Scully just seems <laughs> dumb to me. Like if this were like an animated series that was a comedy and it was going to have Mulder and Scully and David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson came back and did the voice work, I actually would be interested in that. But a comedy that's like, the wacky FBI agents we've never met before. I, I just, I really don't care, but that's me. Maybe someone out there is really excited for this. Chris, how many times are they going to miss the aliens have come to our planet and bumble the, the, the catching of them? Like it's going to be hilarious. I know. I hope it happens every episode. (laughs) Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about Mulan. We've been talking about that a lot lately because as you know, it is coming to Disney plus on premium VOD and that happens, what, this week? Later yeah. this week, I think? Yeah, September and, 4th. Yeah, I guess we've now learned when it's going to be available on the actual Disney Plus streaming service for regular subscribers. So, Brad, what do we know? This is probably only a possibility for now because it hasn't been confirmed. And uh, it was something that was only briefly spotted on the pre-order page for Mulan's um, Premier Access release later this week on Disney Plus. Um, Screen Rant uh, caught this page that was put up advertising um you know the ability to watch mulan on september 4th through disney plus uh it's 29.99 you know extra fee on top of your disney plus subscription but then below that there was a little uh line that said watch before it's released to all disney plus subscribers on december 4th 2020 um which was a date we hadn't heard before as far as uh, the movie coming to disney plus and people not having to pay for it so the this page has since been taken down. You can't see it anymore. So uh, either that's because this is accurate and Disney didn't want that information out there so soon, or maybe this page was just a placeholder and that date isn't uh, accurate anymore because that's only three months uh, after this movie hits, um, you know, Disney Plus as a premium VOD option. And that, that's a standard window when it comes to home video, but it seems weird for Disney to release it for, you know, for quote unquote free on Disney plus instead of waiting until after the movie hits Blu-ray and DVD, because even movies like frozen two and star Wars, the rise of Skywalker, which arrived on Disney plus a little ahead of the usual uh, window still waited a good four or five months 
before they were available on Disney Plus and uh, gave some time for people to buy the movie on Blu-ray and DVD. So if Disney plans on doing this, either maybe they have plans for to release the movie on Blu-ray and DVD earlier than December 4th, or it's possible that this date uh, maybe will get pushed back into 2021. Um but at the same time, you know, you know, there's a there's always a chance that Disney is looking at the possibility that if they put Mulan on Disney Plus in December without the premium VOD price, maybe they'll get an uptick in subscribers around the holidays. Um, but then again, you know, you're, if this date is accurate, you're looking at people who probably won't pay the thirty dollars to watch Mulan on Disney Plus, um, and then they're, they're losing money that way. So I, I don't know. It's it's an odd uh, situation all around. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, physical media, for the most part, like they are surviving based on the holidays <laughs> right now. Like there's a lot of uh, buying of physical media during the holidays. So I could totally see them trying to release this on physical media before the holidays, before, you know, this this date that we have. OK, let's just assume for a second that this is correct, that this is going to hit Disney Plus, the regular Disney Plus subscribers in what you said late december early december december 4th december 4th um i'm wondering what what you guys think like would you be less willing to rent something on premium vod if you knew that you only had to wait three months to to get it on the regular disney plus like does that change your opinion like your your buying decision i mean Practically for me, yeah. It, I mean, it, it did at least for me because um, you know I, I just re- recently made that decision this summer with King of Staten Island. Uh, it was a movie that I, I did want to see and was interested in, but I couldn't just never brought myself to paying the premium VOD price for it, and I waited until it was out on Blu-ray and um, and DVD. Granted, you know I I, I received uh, a copy of it from from the studio, but but I that's a movie that I would have gone out of my way to buy on blu-ray and would have waited you know instead of watching on premium vod for sure um i just recently bought my first uh premium vod i I did the bill and dead i'll talk about that on the water cooler later this week but um okay let's let's you know in the same vein let's talk about home video and let's talk about uh breaking bad movie el camino is headed to blu-ray what do we know about that chris uh, yeah, Netflix is putting the the Breaking Bad movie El Camino out on Blu-ray on October thirteenth, twenty twenty, and it'll come with uh, an audio commentary with uh, Vince Gilligan and Aaron Paul. It's going to have deleted and extended scenes. Uh, it's going to have something called scene studies with Vince Gilligan. So that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, uh, I know there's this debate over you know digital versus uh, physical media and all that jazz. And I know some people would be like, why would I buy a movie that's already on Netflix? But uh, I do think this is a good way to, to bridge that gap because Netflix, even though they could have special features, they don't. And I, I wish they just like would do that. Cause you know, the criterion channel, that's a streaming service. They put all the criterion special features on that streaming service when they put a criterion movie up there. So I kind of wish Netflix would do the same, but since they're not doing that, if you want, you know, this movie with special features, here's your chance. It's going to be on Blu-ray and it's going to have a commentary and all this other stuff that you just can't get on the streaming service. Yeah. I don't understand why Netflix doesn't do special features because it seems to me that Netflix's goal is to keep you on its platform as long as possible. They want you, you know, that's why they release a whole season at a time 
uh, they want you to be spending your weekend with Netflix. The more you're on Netflix, the more that you're not going to unsubscribe to Netflix. And it seems easy to me that, you know, they're paying millions of dollars per episode of like these TV shows. And it, it would be so much easier to, to create these like behind the scenes, special features, these like commentaries that would cost them what tens of thousands of dollars to produce and would keep, you know, someone like me who likes like, you know, say Stranger Things, you know, I might rewatch or let's say Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai just came out on Netflix, uh, came over from YouTube. If they released that with like audio commentaries, I'd, I'd watch the whole thing yet again with the audio commentaries. You're keeping me on Netflix more. So I'm, I'm really surprised that Netflix isn't doing special features. But I guess the thing I wanted to ask you guys is and I know this is not anything new. Netflix has released some Blu-rays in the past. Like I think they did. Uh, Stranger Things, maybe House of Cards, uh, maybe Ozark. I don't know. Uh, maybe not Ozark. Uh, but I'm curious about you guys because you guys are, you know, I've done away with most of my physical media. I'm complete digital, which came to screw me last week when my, my internet was out for a whole day and I had nothing to do. Uh, but aside from that, uh, I'm, I'm very happy being completely digital. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, you pay for Netflix. You have El Camino on Netflix. Uh, what would it take to get you guys to buy a physical copy of a Netflix movie? I mean, for me, it's the special features. Like there needs to be a yeah. ton of special features to, to buy, you know? And if anything, I wonder if that's Netflix's motivation for not putting special features on Netflix, because then they know they can sell some of their more popular offerings that have big fan bases, the physical copies, in addition to keeping them as Netflix subscribers. So, I mean, uh, the cost of, you know, a, a movie like this on Blu-ray would probably be, for most people, uh, three or four times what you're spending on a Netflix subscription, uh, depending on what program you know, or uh, membership subscription you have. Yeah. Um, but so, so I think that, you know, if anything, it works in their favor to do it just for the certain uh, titles they have that they know are going to entice people to get them. And so, like, I'll... I'll get Roma and I'll get, you know, the Irishman um, on Blu-ray because those are, especially since those are being released as Criterion collection editions. So that's, that's something that I will, um, that will entice me to purchase them instead of just watch them on Netflix. Chris, how many special features would they need to get you to, to buy a physical version of these Netflix or Netflix uh, TV shows or movies? I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot really it just has to depend on the quality of the movie. Like, if it's a movie I really, really like, I like the idea of having a physical copy. So like, yeah, like the Irishman, obviously it's like one of my favorite movies and that's coming out on Criterion. So I absolutely want that. And, uh, you know, and there are some Netflix movies where I watch and I'm like, that was good, but I don't need to own it. So really, it, it really just boils down to how much I, I like the movie or not. So, so you're not rushing out to get the Tiger King special? No, yeah, I will. I will not. I will not be buying the Tiger King Blu-ray if that ever comes out. <laughs> okay, we've been talking a lot about theaters reopening. They have reopened internationally for Tenant and domestically for the New Mutants a little bit. Uh, Brett, how are theaters doing? Oh, great! There are no problems whatsoever. Everything's back to normal. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our next story. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's as expected, you know, the, the box office is not growing quickly. It definitely saw, uh, you know, a pretty reasonable uptick because the New Mutants opened in U.S. theaters this weekend. I had no problem topping the box office with $7 million. 
Uh, that doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, considering the fact that um, 60 to 70 percent of movie theaters across the United States are open, people are leery about going to theaters because of coronavirus. And then on top of the fact that New Mutants has had some production woes being delayed a couple years, had some pretty bad reviews that came out just before the movie arrived. Um, and we're looking at huge markets that aren't open. Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, Washington, D.C., New Jersey, New York, all theaters are still closed there. So $7 million, not a lot of money, respectable for the time, probably. Um, I, one, one analyst apparently said that the movie could have made $14 million if more theaters were open. Again, still not the best, um, but it, it is what it is at, at this point, you know, and it's we're going to see, you know, it get better, I think, slowly as time goes on, especially this upcoming weekend with Tenet coming out. But uh, it's definitely going to be a slow crawl before things get back to normal. I th- a lot of people are going to hold off until uh, there's a vaccine. And so it's it's going to be pretty uh, pretty paltry box office numbers for, for a while, I think. Yeah. To give you an idea, when Jaws opened in 1975... The opening weekend, it was in it was in four hundred theaters, four hundred nine theaters, and it made over seven million dollars. So, so that's not bad, right? We're 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 at nineteen seventy five big blockbuster numbers at this point, right? I mean, I guess, but but then you probably have to look at the inflation as to how much that would be for today. And <laughs> I imagine that it's probably not going to work in New Mutants' favor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but overseas, where people are being more sensible and reasonable, and they've actually worked through the coronavirus pandemic and are uh, having a much easier time reopening movie theaters, uh, Tenant did really well. Um, it it earned fifty three million uh, at the international box office, which was actually. 13 million above the initial projections that uh, analysts thought that it was going to make. Uh, so, you know, th- this could be, this could be us, but it's not. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how Tenet does this coming weekend when it will be released in theaters. Um, but again, not all of our theaters are open here, so it probably won't be as big as it otherwise would have been. But uh, I- I'm curious to see what the numbers for Tenet are going to be like in the U S because that'll be a big indicator of how uh, the rest of the year is going to go for other blockbusters. Cause this is a huge movie and a lot of people are excited about it. Yeah. Um, it, it, Brad, you said you're seeing it this week. Yeah. I'm actually seeing it tonight. Um, we were taking advantage of Cinemark's uh, um, private party, like watch parties where you can go to their theaters and you basically, you rent out the entire theater for up to 20 people for considering how much it would cost to buy every ticket in the house during normal times, the amount they're charging is insanely cheap. Um, in my area, it's only $150 to rent out the theater to watch Tenet. So if you get you know 10 to 15 people to go with you and they're all friends you trust who aren't idiots and are, are going to sit you know far apart from each other, you know, you're not paying a lot to see Tenet and you don't have to worry about any stupid strangers coming in and ruining it for you. I can't wait to hear how that experience goes later this week on the water cooler. Uh, we have one last story for you today, and this is something from last week. They are making a TV series from the Michael Crichton novel Sphere. Uh, I guess this is for HBO. Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yes, yeah, Sphere. It's coming to HBO in TV form. Um, Sphere is a Michael Crichton novel published in 1987. And it got turned into a movie in 1998, and that movie is awful. So hopefully the TV <laughs> show will, will fix that, because the book is actually pretty good. I remember um, uh, in the 90s when Michael Crichton was all the rage because of Jurassic Park, I I picked up a bunch of Michael Crichton paperbacks. And of all the ones I read, I remember liking 
sphere the best. So uh, I don't know if it will lend itself to a TV show. I'm guessing we'll have to change some stuff, but um, it's it's bound to be better than that movie, right? <laughs> you know, I, I've never seen the movie, and I was like you, Chris, when Jurassic Park came out, I like had that whole like binge of Michael Crichton novels and stuff, and I for whatever reason, I never read Sphere. So I've never seen read the book. I've never seen the movie. W- what is it about? So what is the pitch? Sphere is about um, a bunch of scientists are brought in because uh, a, a, a thousand-year-old alien spaceship, thousands and thousands of year old alien spaceship is found on the floor of the ocean. And so the whole thing is, you know, how did it get there? And where did it come from? And, you know, this, this team is, is tasked with, uh, going to like a, an underwater research facility and, and trying to figure out what the whole the whole deal is with the spaceship. And inside the spaceship, they find this giant sphere, and uh, strange stuff starts happening. It, it's kind of like, even though it came out after it, if you've seen the movie Event Horizon, it's kind of like that, only underwater and and not as scary but it's like that same basic premise or like the abyss if you will it it, a lot of stuff has borrowed from this story so yeah well this definitely seems down my alley so i'm I'm gonna be excited for this you said that the westworld people are involved in this Uh, yes um denise thee i'm sure i'm saying her name wrong and i'm sorry about that but she's a producer on westworld and she's serving as um the writer and showrunner on this version and um Westworld producers, uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy are going to produce as well. So it, it does have that that Westworld team, which I don't know if that's a good sign or not, because Westworld <laughs> kind of <laughs> got bad after the first season, but we'll see. I don't know. I, 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 I like that this has some mystery to it. And if they're involved, like, I don't like when they're trying to insert mystery when, when it's not needed. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. this is definitely so like, I, you know, there's uh, the whole point of the book is like trying to solve mysteries and stuff like that. So, yeah, that would definitely work here. And also Westworld okay. is actually a Michael Crichton adaptation as well. So these people love Michael Crichton, I guess. Yeah, but that's actually a, uh, like he wrote the the movie, right? Like that wasn't based on a book. Yeah, that was not that a correct? book. He, he wrote yeah. and I, I think he directed the movie, too. And then basically Jurassic Park is sort of just a remake of Westworld. <laughs> he really had like one idea. He just kept recycling it over and over again. <laughs> okay. That brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast in iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please head on over to our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Write us a review. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs>